Welcome to Becoming Church, the podcast where we discuss how the message and movement of Jesus is not just about becoming Christians, but about becoming the church. I'm your host, Kristen Mockler-Young, and I'm so glad you are joining the conversation. Welcome back to Becoming Church. You are joining us for our Essential Series. So some of you might know this because you're part of our growth track at Mosaic and you're here for the follow-up because either you attended the class and somebody recommended these episodes to you or you're planning to attend and you're like, wait, let me get the answers to the questions before I show up. And some of you might not be part of our Essentials classes and that is also okay. What we're doing there at Mosaic is we're talking about the things that we believe are essential to our faith as Christians. But here on the podcast, We get to deep dive it a little bit more and figure out how those things are actually essential to us living out, becoming the church. So we are going to do something special as we get into our conversation about scripture in the Bible in that this is actually going to be a two-part episode. Um, I'm here with Ashley Fossil, who I will introduce to you in just a second. She has so much knowledge that I don't want to squeeze it in or limit her to just one episode. So this first part is going to be more about the Bible itself. And then the second part will help you with the practicals of how you can actually read it and apply it in your own life. So for those of you who have not met her, Ashley Fossil, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. So glad to have you here. We joke that you are the mosaic like resource library. (laughs) (laughs) So you're the first person to have two episodes for the same topic. (laughs) There's a lot to talk about when it comes to the Bible, right? There is. Oh my gosh. There's so much. There's so much that we should talk about so much, maybe that shouldn't be talked about. (laughs) Let's start with an easy one because you are married to Naeem. You two started Mosaic 17 years ago. So thinking specifically about Mosaic, what is it that we believe about the Bible? Uh, Well, I would say we actually have a very high view of the Bible. Um, We do believe the Bible is inspired by God, um, but we don't hold on to it tightly um, in a legalistic kind of way. I know myself and probably some other listeners grew up with a view of the Bible that almost elevated it to a part of the Trinity. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I feel like that we at Mosaic have really come to a place of of highly valuing scripture, um, but giving it room to live and breathe (laughs) as it should. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. And I would say I was one of those people that because it's in the Bible was an answer for everything, (laughs) you know, like growing up, if we had any questions, it was just like, well, because it's in the Bible and it really was like God, Jesus, really for me, it was God, Jesus in the Bible because we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit at all. Right. But yeah, Yeah, very, very similar for me as well. Explain what you mean by inspired by the word of God, because some people will know what that means and other people are like, well, right. Like God wrote it. So what's the difference? Yeah. You know, there's a couple of different, um, views on that, that probably most people don't know or, or give thought to. Um, but when you really start trying to dive into, into what do you believe about the Bible and how do you understand it and interpret it? Um, there's this idea, which I would think you and I probably both grew up with, which is why that Bible was so elevated in that, God inspired not only the writers, 
but the actual words, like mm-hmm. almost like the whole, they, the authors just dictated what the Holy Spirit told them, which actually is very outside um, what is known as like the great tradition. So if you think about 2000 years of church history and the ancient father, the early church fathers and people who have been trying to make sense of the Bible for 2000 years in general, that view is actually not in line with tradition. Um, I think more of what we believe is that God inspired the authors to write Uh, But he did not dictate word for word what they were going to say, which is one reason why a big um, word that um, can cause a lot of confusion is this concept of inerrant or inerrancy. Uh Um, That if you hold to such a view of the Bible that you pretty much believe it was dictated by the Holy Spirit, then you believe it's inerrant, meaning it is without fault. It is completely um, accurate and there's no contradictions. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you think there are, then you're just reading it incorrectly. Um, but those of us who, you know, believe God inspired the Bible, but did not dictate it. We don't have to hold tight to that inerrant concept, which actually, interestingly enough, is a relatively new concept. The, the idea of the Bible being inerrant without fall only came about really in the 19th century, um, and a what? Part, yeah, yeah. In part, it was a reaction to the Enlightenment. Oh and, my gosh! Yes, and so while some people were maybe brought up in a church that just screamed inerrancy, and if you didn't hold to that, then you didn't believe the Bible. I mean, it's a relatively new concept. It's not really yeah. part of historical Christianity. Um, what we do believe is that the Bible is infallible, which means it's trustworthy. Um, I heard it said that when referring to scripture, the term infallible is usually used to mean reliable and trustworthy. It refers to something that is without any type of defect. And it's without defect because it um, simply means the Bible is perfect with respect to its purpose, which is to identify God, identify God for us and communicate God's redemptive will. So we do believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even just the idea of in, um, it being infallible makes it more general, I think, of like, okay, we can trust this, like in general. Yes. We believe that this is all true, but even like to your point about it was inspired by mm-hmm. God or the Holy Spirit, you know, I, I guarantee you when God tells me things, like when I get messages or thoughts or whatever from the Holy Spirit, the words that come out of my mouth are not like, <laughs> Like God is not going to use the word shenanigans most likely, (laughs) but that's how I'm going to explain it to people. Right. And of course, and uh, you've got authors coming from, um, you know, so far apart in history from the early uh, writings that were the Hebrew scripture all the way up to what we call the New Testament. Um, They're coming from different backgrounds and different cultures. Uh, They're writing to different audiences. And so all of that is reflected in their writing and in the types of writing that the Bible actually contains. You know, it's not just one (laughs) book that um, has an opening chapter in an ending chapter, um, you know, I think we've made reference to that it's a library, 
yeah. more than that it's a book. And which is one reason we actually, you'll hear around Mosaic more, um, we refer to the scriptures yeah. rather than the Bible. And yeah, we yeah. won't hopefully try not to say the Bible says, right? <laughs> because it's actually a written document, it's scriptures, and we're reading and interpreting them. Right. Well, and I didn't ever think about this until I heard Naeem actually say it at Essentials um, once. He said that like the early Christians didn't actually have the Bible. Right. So if we're basing, this is like a right or a luxury that we had. They had scriptures. Mm -hmm. They had holy scriptures. They had things, but they didn't have this book of the Bible. So if we are basing our entire faith on this book, well, what were they doing (laughs) before it was even written? Exactly. I, you know, recently I've been reading through a, a really um, great book that is called The Mosaic of Christian Belief. Um, and it's just a deep dive over the 2000 years of um, of Christianity yeah. and finding unity uh, across all expressions of Christianity. Um, where do we actually have unity in that? And I've, I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. But one of the things they point to is this idea of um, you know, authoritative sources. What do, what is used to determine what is an authoritative source for for proper Christian belief? And they kind of boiled it down to scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And um, I won't go into all of that, but you do have both scripture and tradition. And the tradition comes about from yeah, those the early church, and then a little later, the early church fathers, um, that is the tradition of them trying to um, unpack the, the various scriptures and, and writings that were coming their way. And even what the, you know, they had for the first hundred years, uh, just the verbal, what they were um, hearing and sharing from eyewitness accounts. And and then they had to kind of come to terms with, okay, what is authoritative? What are we going to land on? What um, do we believe about it? And so I think that's always something to be able to go back to. We've been interpreting scripture for 2000 years. And so for anyone to say, well, the Bible says, or this concept of solo scriptura, which means the Bible alone. Well, no one in history has ever been able to just say the Bible alone because it has always been interpreted. It has always been um, people trying to figure out what is the meaning behind whatever it is that they're reading. And they bring that to that interpretation. They bring their own personal um, cultural dynamics and, and preconceived ideas and biases and all of that, whether they think they are or not. We all do. And every single theologian ever has. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I think that we, I think that we take these like, you know, early Bible writers or interpreters or translators, and we put them up on this pedestal almost like some, sometimes it can happen even in celebrity culture with pastors, but like, I think we do it historically even more to go, okay, well we, of course, when we interpret the Bible, we're bringing all of this with us, but we're like, but these people (laughs) were special (laughs) and they just knew exactly what God meant. It's like, well, no, of course they didn't. Right. Of course they were bringing themselves and the terminology of their time and the, the context of their culture and yes. so many other things. Yeah. We, we forget that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I think you mentioned too a second ago, tradition and experience. And I think one of the things that gets tricky about 
the Bible. And sometimes what can mess people up in believing the Bible is the contradictions that are in there, right? right? Because you might read one thing and then somewhere else you interpret something that seems to be a contradiction. Do you have anything? I've got like a two-part thing. Do you have anything on that? Like why there might be contradictions within the pages themselves? I mean, part of that comes about from, we are assuming these authors are using the same um, framework that we write and read from. Mm. And so I, I um, read something recently that like, you know, when Paul was writing, he wasn't trying to write in a way that we take for granted. We think he is writing from. Um, it's it's more that, in fact, in for example, Romans. Uh, Rome was the cap was the capital of the Roman Empire, right? It was the seat of justice, and so the Book of Romans, his writing technique for that actual book was more of like almost like a lawyer making a court case. Yeah. And so some of the, the phrases he uses or the things he uses, it's to make a particular point in a particular style of, um, of a structured writing. And so the way, if you go and read like some court documents versus you read um, a history book, well, it's going to be very different. And, and yeah. the points they're making are different. And even with some of the um, gospels, like. Uh, when people try to like match the gospels up and make them fit together in a timeline and make them agree with everything, but that wasn't the goal. They're, they're maybe moving some stories around or combining some stories because they're trying to make a bigger point about the character of God, about what Jesus was doing, about, you know, whatever the kingdom. And so in their mind, it wasn't like important that they were following this particular um, you know, bullet point timeline type concept, like that wasn't even a part of their mentality. Right. Um, and so we're trying when we, when we get caught up in stuff like that, and there's a lot of instances, I mean, you could have a whole nother podcast and there's podcasts out there you can listen to <laughs> that help you understand um, the contradictions, the seeming contradictions or, you know, whatever. The other thing too, is you have to read it all in, co in context. Yeah. So like, again, even if you pull out like one line from Romans and you build a whole proof text on that, um, which is a single Bible reference used to try to, you know, make an issue or, you know, prove a point. Thing, yeah. You, you've just missed the whole context of a case he was building. So just like math builds on itself, he was building a case on itself. So if you take a point out of the context of where he's building it to go to, it can have a completely different meaning. Yeah. I love that. He said they weren't like, I can just like, Paul's not sitting there going, all right, they would have just read the gospels and then they would have read Acts. So here's <laughs> yeah. what I'm going to write now in Romans, because I know <laughs> the people always are going to read that. Like they, he wasn't thinking that. No. And it is, it is not only that I use the, the cultural background studies Bible, I think is what the actual title is. And so many more times than I ever would have thought when I'm reading the footnotes, it's like this particular phrase was used because of who the writer was writing to, like who the audience was. And so many times there's a little asterisk and it's like, this phrase seems super weird, but to the people listening, mm -hmm. it's almost like they're sliding in these, um, hidden meanings yeah. to like, you know, if 
this is a terrible example, but it's the only one in my brain. Like if I'm doing something theological and I'm like, you know, YOLO, like I would not have to explain like, okay guys, that means you only live once. Like they just are talking to the people they're talking to, right? assuming that they're going to understand the terms and the phrases and the things that they're using. Mm-hmm. And so we forget that, you know, then we take it and we read it off a page and like, people in thousands of years would be like, oh, YOLO means this. And they right. like a whole different meaning to it. And that even you touched on like different types of writing too. There's like legal documents, but there's also letters. There's also poetry. There's a, a ton of different references. Yes. And I think we, we get ourselves into trouble when we read them all the same. Right. Definitely. Um, and even some things that, again, a more modern reading of certain passages or scriptures that the Jewish people themselves, with the Old Testament, or even, you know, more historical Christianity, didn't read it as literal themselves. And we try to force literalism into stuff. Um, even like the whole, I mean, we won't dive too much into this at all, but like the creation. Like it wasn't until Darwin's time, that wasn't a huge debate about whether the creation narrative was literal or figurative. Um, So, you know, there's so much. And I feel like um, the more I've moved away from my very narrow framework for how I could, how I was taught to read scripture to really um, moving into a more broad open space um, for reading and understanding scripture Um, I feel like I actually have a higher value for it. I feel like I get more out of it. Um, It's, it's even more important to me in my life because I'm not trying to force it in to make sense or to, um, to agree or to fit a certain narrative that I'm, that I think it's supposed to fit. That actually, I love that. And I would say the same for me as I've come away with, I feel like I have less answers, but better understanding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what does this mean? I don't know. I used to think this passage meant I knew exactly what it meant. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I don't know. Or maybe it means something different today than it will mean to me, you know, in 10 years. Right. Another thing that, which you kind of just tied. So basically you were just tying like scripture and experience. You were almost saying how you are letting like the tradition of what scripture says and your experience with it come together in like a beautiful, rich, full way. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that is a conversation, an argument, a debate, whatever you want to call it right now, where the people who want to say that the Bible is inerrant and true and everything, like they're pushing back on experience. Have you noticed this? Have you been involved in this at all? Yes. I mean, I've definitely seen that. And I feel like somewhere, some of that is a bit of a fear. It's almost like if you if you quit, I just keep coming back to this because I don't know, visually for me, but like if you take your hands off the Bible and quit gripping it so hard, then you're just going to let it all go and walk away from it. Whereas I have personally and in the people around me have seen the opposite of that. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe they go through a season of kind of, yeah, I'm just going to be hands off for a while, but then um, it actually just allows people to move forward into a place of uh, again, have a just a better, a uh, better relationship with the Bible. <laughs> with scripture. Yeah. yeah. It feels like control. It feels like they're yeah. trying to control. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. And I think too, that with the 
experience piece of it. It's like, okay, well, how do we know that we're supposed to experience God? Because we read it in the Bible. Like they have to go (laughs) hand in hand. Yes, we can feel it and we have the experience, but the only way that I would ever be able to explain what the presence of God feels like is by reading scripture and going, oh, Jesus told us. Yeah he was going to send the Holy spirit in his place. So now we can make sense of this. Like to me, it makes, I don't understand. I think like you said, it is a fear how you can separate tradition and experience because you're just basically, you're just memorizing words on a page and just having this head knowledge that doesn't really do anything for you. Right. And not to say there aren't people out there who are well, elevating experience over if your experience contradicts what you're going oh, to be sure. reading throughout scripture, of course. I mean, that's, I, mean, I feel like that's common sense. Maybe that's not, not everyone like moves through that framework of, well, it's just common sense. But yeah, I mean, if someone claims their experience um, is right and accurate, but it just clearly contradicts what you can read throughout scripture. Yeah. Well, then obviously that is a problem. And there's, you know, definitely um, heresies and cults that have evolved and which has also, again, been happening since the, I mean, half of the letters of the New Testament were Paul trying to correct people's like, hey, uh, these people came in and they're trying to tell you this and that's not right. Just what you really already knew and were already taught. Um, Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get into more of the practicals next time, but last question here for you, maybe for somebody who's listening, but they haven't come to mosaic. They're not super familiar with mosaic. You talked about how we like to refer to it as, you know, scriptures versus saying the Bible, how does mosaic use the Bible? How do we use scripture? How do we use scripture? I mean, we use it all the time. Uh, We use it. um, It is our absolute foundation for sure. We all, all of our messages, I, and I have heard of some churches that like just don't use scripture in their talks, which I don't understand. I guess they're so weird to me. <laughs> like pep talks, but we absolutely use scripture. Um, they are the basis for everything that we're speaking and teaching out of. Um, and I mean, in fact, just we've recently done a 21 day. Um, fasting and prayer focus, which every single morning we posted, you know, a, a scripture yeah. to, to pray through and focus on for the day. So, uh, yeah, we use it all the time, um, in every aspect of what we do. And I would say we even take it to the next step and use other resources. Like, yes, we read the Bible and we're reading scripture, but for all of us on staff, I know that we also are are trying to dig deeper with other theologians that we trust or other resources mm-hmm. to get maybe the perspectives that we didn't have growing up necessarily, yes. you know, yes. <laughs> from the teachers that we had. So yes, definitely a foundation of everything we do. All right, Ash, thanks for being here with us today, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, We hope that this has been helpful. If you have specific questions about scripture or the Bible, we would love for you to engage with us on um, social media. You can drop your comments wherever we kind of promote and highlight this post. You can always send us an email and make sure that you share this episode if it's been helpful. We'll see you next time.